All right, uh, let's get started then. Let's get started. These games are fun. I'm your host, Corin Mana, and with me are Ralph and Tasha. Hey, hey. My name is Ralph, everyone. Hello again. I'm Tasha. All right, so um, in RPG news that uh, was randomly selected by me seeing it at some point, um, there's an Alice is Missing RPG coming out. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Alice is Missing, it is a audio drama uh, podcast that was pretty popular for a while, involving a um, uh, the audio logs of a girl searching for her lost friend um, that had sort of pseudo-supernatural overtones. And um, the person who's making this role-playing game, and the reason that I wanted to bring it up, is because they're advertising it as a silent role-playing game. Their explanation about that is um, that it's meant to be played over text message, as though you are a group of people coordinating over text messages uh, to to try and search and find things. Um, but there's also a little bit of stuff about um, like card-driven resolution mechanics. Uh, what do people think? Would you would you try Alice is Missing? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so there's been a whole push for having uh, text-based RPGs, and there's like a long history of like text-based roleplay, let alone with a game aspect. So thank you for adding a game aspect to something that's intrinsically text-based, because um, that sounds awesome. Uh, I've been trying to run D&D text-based, and it's with mixed success, so... Uh, the original text-based uh, RP, like just the RPs, like just role plays, are really really fun and great. But being both dyslexic, I can never keep up quick enough. And two, they didn't hold my attention the same way, and they didn't have like that conflict resolution that you get in a game. So yeah, give give me a solid. RPG with with and then actually make it text based. Like no, I want people to actually have to text each other. <laughs> I don't care if you're in the same room. Ralph, seems like a pretty cool idea. I think making games accessible is a good thing. And as I have noticed, very recently, of course, because of the pandemic, and also in the past, the uh, the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. <laughs> exactly that's what i'm that's, paying attention to everybody you're not you're not allowed to talk about the backstreet boys reunion tour if you don't have government approved facts that's right get it together so i i have noticed that especially recently and also in the past role-playing via online text like in a channel in discord or a chat room elsewhere. It's been pretty popular for some people because they might find online voice to be very intimidating and play by post might not proceed as quickly as they'd like. So online text seems like a nice intermediary. And so I think that creating an RPG or designing an RPG based on that medium is a nice way to provide options for people who would prefer to roleplay in a way that's a little different than the traditional manner. Yeah, I think that's all true. Um, you mentioned uh, play-by-post, which is what I thought of uh, when I first heard this, that they're sort of codifying the concept of play-by-post into a system. Um, but uh, as Tasha mentioned, I'm, I'm really interested to see um, what gameplay elements they've added to that because um, uh, you know up until now it's just been use a role-playing system and um, you know but you use a dice roller of some kind to play the traditional way but something that uh, is possibly more suited to whatever chat client you're using uh, could be more interesting but I don't know if cards is that um, and they're being very vague right now about what the actual resolution mechanics are. So I'm interested, but haven't haven't decided if I like the idea or not. Yeah, I don't 
like, so the upside about cards, or really... So the problem is with cards, you usually have to be there, or there's something physical that you actually have to have. While dice, you can literally, like, go to Google and hit random number generator. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how they're going to do that as, like, a resolution. You're right. Um, it's interesting. I do like the idea of this still being... I don't know. When, once you say cards, it makes me still feel like someone's sitting around a table to play this, which... Um, having that kind of flexibility would be cool. So still being able to, what ha- have a tabletop gameplay is is awesome. But having something that is intrinsically message based sounds really cool. Um, and I know people can do this because I can't. But my sister has a game that's been running for almost two years. That's entirely a, like text based. That's that's D and D. Um, and has amazing characters and it's beautiful and wonderful and I love listening to it but um or reading it I guess uh, <laughs> but yeah it's it's going to be really interesting I will I will mention that um when I posted something I don't I don't remember exactly what I said to the dev that was promoting it on Reddit but um his response was that it can be played in person um but there is an entire section of the book dedicated to how to play online, like over a chat client, like they they're definitely um, directly marketing to that market. I think that's if you can design your game for that, there's going to be a huge market for it um, because so many people want to play online. Yeah, it seems like a good idea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um. Another tiny piece of news, um, you know. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that I also want to support anything that will prevent people from seeing each other, talking to each other, (laughs) hearing each other's voice, (laughs) or playing with physical objects. I'm totally a fan of not doing those things, as you both know so well. Uh, Yes. Uh, Ralph is a... uh, uh, sort of a weird mix of never nude and uh, incapable of physical intimacy and everything I'm saying is untrue. Uh, though I don't know if this will be funny to anyone who doesn't know Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, so another tiny piece of news um, that's interesting to me uh, a enterprising uh, sailor of the Digital Seven Seas um, has scanned uh, the RPG adaptation of Richard Bakshi's Wizards. Ralph Bakshi's Wizards? Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Um, so if people Ralph don't know Ralph, about... Huh? Yeah. If people don't know about Ralph Bakshi, um, he was an animator in the 70s. And he was known for this, like, very um, detailed styling in his animations that he produced. And um, Wizards was this very, like, surreal um, future fantasy uh, where the evil wizard is using a projector showing, uh, like, images of, like, Nazis marching uh, to like encourage people to become evil and stuff like that, and there's like hippie stuff in it. It's it's a really weird artifact of the late '70s, but it's also like so cool in its own way. And um, and I'm saying '70s. He might have actually been way more in the '60s. This role playing game came out in 1977, and the company that produced it. Uh, doesn't exist anymore. It was Wit Publications, I believe. And uh, whoever holds the rights to uh, Wizards, I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea what they're doing with it. But the thing is, like, these books can't be published right now because uh, Wit would own the uh, copyright on all of the work done in the books, and the intellectual property holder for Wizards would uh, be who retains the, you know, the artwork and the uh, the names and things like that. Um, so even if you were to, uh, you know, scan these and 
try to have your publication company uh, do it, there's so many people that you'd have to coordinate with and pay royalties to and things like that. And um, it'd, it'd be nearly impossible to, act, to to pull it off. And who knows if it'd be worth the money or not. Um, but uh, people also don't want to see things fade away, um, you know, pieces of creativity and stuff like that. So regardless of how you feel about um, piracy and uh, things like that, I think it's interesting uh, to see these books being preserved. And um, even if it's uh, hard to find them, somewhat accessible. Yeah. I think that's cool, too. I think... I'm I'm all for game libraries as well, like or not only libraries but uh, museums. There we go. Even if it's digital, I think being able to track a history of RPGs is important. For sure. I disagree. I think we should burn it all to the ground and start RPG history again with Pathfinder Second Edition. You really like Pathfinder? No, <laughs> no. So literally everything before Pathfinder 2nd Edition is is just wiped from the face of the earth. All the games I love. And yeah. um, <laughs> let's, just go, let's just go balls yeah. to the wall, all right? Oh, yeah, that's actually really amusing. Do we, do we play a game that, that is not older than Pathfinder 2nd Edition? Nope. Spire, so. maybe. I don't mm. know when Spire started. No, I I don't know if the original. I no, I don't think so. I think Spire might be older than Pathfinder Two E, but I, I I'm one of those people who gets real confused when you talk oh, about yeah. timelines for for like releases and stuff. Yeah, but that's the only one I can think of that even has a chance of being mm-hmm. newer than Pathfinder. I'm Second just trying to troll the Pathfinder out. lovers. Everything else we play, like, started in the 90s. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to troll the people who are listening to this and love Pathfinder. There's nothing wrong with Pathfinder. Uh, I'm just, I'm taking a, I'm taking a bullet myself in order to annoy those folks. Yeah, which one? <laughs> the four people who are listening to this. John, I know you love Pathfinder. <laughs> this is for you. Oh, for sure. Out of... Out of the people who listen to this who aren't the three of us. Yeah, but probably that's the one guy that likes Pathfinder, to be fair, the original. Well, hey, you know, did you do uh, you, did you both get the joke I made? Because we're talking about RPGs and everyone is John. Yes. All right, good. I'm glad. <laughs> now that that's decided. You know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit in some of the other things, but... Right now, uh, continuing our games has had the added challenge that we're not really uh, interacting with each other in person. And um, how's that been? Would you like to go, Tasha? Or should I? I, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if I, I. I always jump in first, so I was feeling bad. Oh, why? No, there's no. <laughs> Did you want to go, go right first ahead. this time? It's totally fine. Okay. Um. So. The thing about playing distantly is I've been doing it for a couple of years, so that part wasn't different, though I did miss playing in person. Um, so it was like this weird, weird kind of uh, time for me who went from only playing online before the current events to then playing in person and online to back to only playing online and then going back to work and going can't wait to play in person again (laughs) um so there wasn't like that jar factor i think for me that a lot of people had to certainly suddenly learn everything (laughs) um and i've been learning it for like two years already and so it was like ah yeah i got this um yes i missed the hell out of playing in person and i like rolling my damn dice that i spend all the money on um but I also was like, hey, by the way, we learned maybe throw some text chat in your downtime because that's awesome. And that's a thing that, um, what was it, uh, Vampire would do, especially for the LARP. Um, you could submit. Like downtimes in between downtime. games. Mm-hmm. So 
because of that, it, it crept up into our D&D thing, and then we let people essentially sit around the campfire while they're on watch and just talk, which sometimes goes well, sometimes it does not, and you always think that those things will not be super dramatic and affect the plotline. Nope, they always will. Just just start to expect it. <laughs> um, but yeah. What about you, Ralph? Well, you know how much I love hugging people and rolling dice right in front of them, and also uh, teasing people when you roll better than them. <laughs> so it's a little harder to do at least yes, one of those indeed. things. <laughs> both non, yeah, both of those are non-facetious <laughs> He does definitely like to roll dice and laugh in somebody's face <laughs> and roll better than them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. It's a real good dad. I'll say uh, that I'm very comfortable engaging with people online, provided that there's voice. I'm not a huge fan of online text for role-playing games. I'm fine communicating with people through text here and there. Right? I can have ongoing conversations, but the feedback and the intimacy associated with, or that you get from voice-based communication versus text-based communication, is much higher. I prefer the former greatly and so because i've had the opportunity to role play here and there through voice it has been okay for me i'll also say this uh, i love role playing so much so i have to moderate myself and i've especially had to do that during these times it's given me a real opportunity to create a more functional schedule for myself so that i'm able to accomplish a lot of things that i put on hold in the past Partially due to the fact that I was just, you know, voracious to play all the time. Mm. So the fact that games tend to be a little shorter and I don't have to travel and they can be arranged around my schedule because people are more flexible in their timing has been more convenient for me than it would be otherwise. That's super funny because it's been totally the reverse for the current times for me, which I get to play more. So I've just been like... Until until I had work again, there was nothing but essentially sleeping and playing. Uh, my schedule's totally shot. <laughs> on on that note, like, um, what what are we playing right now? Like, I just finished up um, a Spire campaign, um, and I have gone back to running Mage, uh, which we were on hiatus from because we weren't sure if we were going to play online, but. Uh, we've decided to play online now. Yeah, just like the whole and, damn mage uh, server. <laughs> the whole the whole damn mage server? What? They play I, online all the time. I think most mages played online. That might be true. I mean, I bet you could probably pull it off fairly. Like, I haven't been to the dedicated mage server that's from the company. Is it, like, are you talking about a Discord server? Yes, I'm talking about the Discord server. I'm just kidding. There are oh, only like okay. 400 members, uh, but it's pretty active, and there are a lot of games that happen. I just don't know of people playing Mage the Awakening 2nd Edition so often. I think that in comparison, the games are happening so frequently through the server that it would be competitive with the total number that occur offline in person. Or otherwise. Yeah, I get you. But I'm excited. So um, with that said, and then you know I love playing mage. Are you, are you playing any any of the games that I'm not running? Are you playing in any games that I'm not running? I am. Okay. What are you so What are you playing War that I'm not running? The Warhammer game that we've been in for I don't know a very long time. Switched to online play in early mm -hmm. March, so that's been going consistently that's been great and then i hopped on the server when during that like i don't know like month and a half break where we weren't running any games right you or sabrina weren't running any games i was like i need to have mm -hmm. something real quick right i need to get something real quick well let's see what what's available yeah so i went on the mage server and i was like anybody running a mage game no one was running a mage game but somebody was running an exalted game so I was like, ah, oh, let's try that out. So 
Yeah. Jumped in Exalted 3 thinking, hey, this game is going to have legs. And then I went to the Exalted server, the dedicated Exalted server, which has more people on it than the Mage server. Mm. And found oh, another you need Exalted to give me the game. server info. Oh, yeah. You want to be on this Exalted server, buddy. It's a real good time. So I hopped on the Exalted server and found another game there with an international crew. The GM is French, and two players are from Germany. Sweet. So I'm playing that game as a nightcast. It's Exalted 3rd Edition. The party is two solars and three lunars. And I'm playing an uh, investigator whose MO at this point is to sneak up on people in dark alleys, wait for them to start <laughs> peeing, and then get them in a headlock and threaten <laughs> to karate chop their dick off if they don't answer questions. This is... This, this may be the most Ralph you've you've gone in a bit. That's <laughs> 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 Um So are you playing second edition or third edition? Third edition. Ain't playing no second edition. Okay. Exalted three is real good. Hey man. It's real, I, real tasty. I, I, Exalted Three is really good. I I just miss uh, Battle Wheel. I'm I'm sad they took uh, the Battle Wheel out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Although Initiative is really cool in Exalted Three, it's really like a very nice dramatic balance. Yeah, the way they turned it into more than just a determination of whose turn it is to attack, um, is a really uh, interesting. Um, uh, like well to draw from what do they do for initiative um for the third one like how does it factor into other stats or mechanics uh ralph like since you're playing in it like do, do you think you'd be able to summarize it absolutely so there is a pool of dice you roll when you start combat it's called join battle so when you join battle you roll your join battle pool which is a combination of wits and awareness. So you roll join battle, and the total number of successes you get, you add three to that, and that's your initial initiative. So initiative serves two functions, two primary functions. Initiative serves to determine the order in which you act in a turn or a round, and it functions to de determine the amount of damage you do with what are called decisive attacks. So there are two main kinds of attacks that you perform in combat, withering and decisive, and they represent, respectively, the kind of like um, unbalancing moves that you'd see in a movie that puts somebody in a, a dangerous position, a vulnerable position, so that you can hit them, strike them with a decisive blow, which is what a decisive attack is. So what happens is you do withering attacks in order to gain initiative, so you gain initiative when you succeed in, with a withering attack. You gain initiative equal to one plus the total number of the, or the total amount of withering damage that you do to someone. And then when you perform a decisive attack, when you hit with it, your damage dice pool, your raw damage, is your total initiative. And then after you've performed a decisive attack, you reset to base initiative, which is three. And so combat through this can be really dynamic because you need to make choices where you attack people decisively, or sorry, you, detect, you attack people strategically so that you can put them in a vulnerable position by one, building your initiative total and also decreasing theirs. Because one additional nuance is that if you have decreased their initiative below zero, what you've done is put them in what's called initiative crash. And when they're in initiative crash, their hardness is zero, and hardness is a threshold you need to pass with your initiative in order to damage them. So the basic summary is initiative determines when you attack and also how much damage you do when you're trying to hit somebody really hard decisively. How do you keep track of that easily? It's pretty straightforward if you have some tracker. Like, you can do it online, you can use Roll20, you can do it in Discord, you can write it down, however you want. But just each round, uh, you update the initiative. So the important thing to do is, 
At the beginning of combat, when everyone rolls join battle, you make a list of everyone's initiative totals. And then every time you act, you adjust your initiative depending upon what you do. Whether you perform a withering attack, whether you perform a decisive attack, when you take damage, right? Like if you have to defend against someone and you suffer initiative damage, or if you perform what are called gambits, which function kind of like decisive attacks and will reduce your initiative, but will also allow you to do things other than just increase your initiative or hit, give somebody health damage. The, the other thing on like keeping track of it is even though your initiative will change during a round, your turn order mm. won't. You determine turn order for a given round at the beginning of okay. that round. So it isn't like you're constantly changing what when you go when you act. You just have initiative right. pools that keep are in flux. Yes. And when you when you start a round, you'll look at what everybody's uh, initiative is at that moment to determine what the order is for that round. But then as you go through the round, the initiative will change based on the actions. Okay. And however, if your initiative does increase before you would otherwise act, you are supposed to act immediately. Hmm. So say, for example, the round starts and I have initiative 11 and you, Corin, you have initiative three. I uh, or three people. Let's have three people say I have initiative 11. Tasha, you have initiative seven and Corin has initiative three. Right. Say I attack Corin and. Uh, I don't succeed, he dodges, he uses a charm, whatever happens, his initiative increases to 8 as a result of my attack. My round is over, and now that Corrin's updated initiative is 8, because it's higher than 7, he then acts. However, if his initiative isn't adjusted until after your turn, then he, he wouldn't act before you. Okay. I think... I'd want like a whiteboard or something for this, but I mean, it definitely is like a complex system, but it's not, it's not so complex that you really get lost in right. it when you're playing. Um, yeah. It, it's mostly just from a management standpoint that I can see it becoming a, an issue, but it's a really cool dynamic feature. And that would be something I would like to play with and, and see if I enjoy it or not, because, you know, just, describing it sounds cool but i you know once i have to actually play it out um mm -hmm. but yeah me as a dm i'm going oh what how uh <laughs> also mention there's a podcast called swallows of the south and mm -hmm. yeah swallows um, of the south yeah they had a very good um uh, dm who understood exalted very well and did a really good job of running stuff. And he did a good job when he was editing to, like, not um, to include enough of the rules that somebody could have an understanding of what's going on rules wise, but not so much that like you get bored with them discussing rules. That's important. Um, they have since stopped playing Exalted for um, some reasons they've been kind of vague about. But um, uh, the second and third seasons of their Exalted game, I found really, really good. Yeah, I need to. I should probably take this time to catch uh -huh. up on things because Crit Roll is not playing. So. <laughs> mm. Got all that podcasting time now. Yeah. I'll say with Swallows of the South. It is very entertaining. The story is interesting. And Quinn is indeed a fantastic ST. The people who play in the game seem like great performers, and I appreciate their creativity. The one aspect of it that has been quite frustrating for me is the angsty nature of Godwin's character. Uh, no one liked Godwin. Oh, okay. Uh, like when uh, Godwin's player left the game, um, like they they had like a roundtable discussion where they were like looking back on what they'd done for those three seasons. And um, uh, they had discussed the thing about how 
uh, like the GM had needed to like have conversations with her about like, we need to move forward. Like you're, you're not progressing and that's frustrating mm. the people who are listening to the story. Oh, really? That didn't really ever change. Like near the end, Godwin got a little bit better, but the, the player left before Godwin ever like becomes a different <laughs> character. <laughs> um, but then that's she was fantastic. replaced by his girlfriend, uh, Josette who has been playing Exalted longer than Quinn has been running it, and her character is amazing. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't listened that far yet. I think I'm... Yeah. How far into uh, it? She, she, her character uh, became my favorite character in, like, two episodes. Uh, have they done Rizzo's side quest? Yes, they've done Rizzo's side quest. So this is uh, maybe eight episodes okay. into the 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 story right after Rizzo returns and they okay. have confronted, I'm at the episode where they're deciding what to do with Cessus Min and Raghura Prema. Yeah. I, I encourage you to continue listening because it keeps getting better. Uh, if I, Ooh. if I recommend somebody uh, listen to the show, I actually tell them to skip the entire first season uh, because oh, yeah. it's just so derndily. And, <laughs> um, uh, like, yeah, like I would recommend starting like with Rizzo's side quest, like because to me that's when the show started getting a little more interesting. Cool. Yeah, episode twenty for Critical Role. That's that starts the uh, Briarwood arc. So they're gonna they're gonna animate that soon. So you might just hold off until that's just a movie. <laughs> okay. There's a there's a bunch that are like that. Like Taz, everybody says skip the first season. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Taz. Taz is weird because you do want to skip the first season, but you don't. It's like go buy the graphic <laughs> novel, read that, and then start the podcast. <laughs> because there's there's important elements that get pulled from season one that are really cool, and they they make the ending part of the reason why you cry at the end is because you listened to season one. But oh my god, is it trash? <laughs> I'm gonna skip seasons one and two. And I still cried at the end, so oh good. Uh, I don't, I don't think you need to listen to season one. <laughs> yeah, it uh, season. I did like season two because I feel like, like that was one of my favorite Magnus scenes was when Magnus realized that he was Magnus essentially. <laughs> um, uh, so that's that's why i do like say oh no you gotta, you gotta kind of listen to the rockport limited and and you can't i still love the fan theory about um sorry why can't i remember his name now little detective boy oh I angus thank you angus was a silver dragon i just that is so beautiful and you cannot rewrite that from me anymore <laughs> even even though Griffin has confirmed it's definitely not true. Yup, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, that was totally a tangent. Eh, it's it's all right. We it's totally fine. We're we about we podcasts. enjoy listening to stories. That's what we're here for, after all. Uh, I actually just finished Amnesty, so uh, I want to run Monster of the Week because who wouldn't after listening to all that? Oh, for sure. I love... Oh, I mean, to be fair, Amnesty's like, and this is why Monster of the Week is amazing! Um, I need I, to... Like, there's even stuff they, like, almost objectively do wrong, but it doesn't matter. Like, the, the, the game still resolves beautifully. Well, that's because they... That's their whole take on this, like, storytelling is, to hell with the rules, are we telling a good story and are we having fun? <laughs> Which is... Not a bad way to approach gaming. Like, as long as everyone's okay with that at the table, then that's, like, absolutely the best way. It's definitely my preference. Um, yeah, I need to get caught up on graduation. I'm so behind on that. So, uh, one of the things that I see on, uh, like, role-playing forums and things like that is people asking... How do I run a game set in, it doesn't really matter what the next uh, title is, but, you know, the title of my favorite uh, TV show or movie or comic book or literally anything. 
Um, and it it's really funny because like I've been trying to come up with um, like a good way to discuss that. And like I actually considered um, making like a like a video where I like talk about that stuff. And um, just randomly, I was looking at this RPG magazine from 1995, and two of the six articles in it were one about uh, role-playing in Star Wars and why the best thing you could do would be to role-play during a time period that does not take place in the movies, so you don't feel beholden to any of that stuff. And the other one was literally about how do I convert my favorite TV show into a role-playing game. And the author was providing sort of a toolkit for doing that. So it's funny to me that we've been having this same conversation for like 25 years. <laughs> I, there, I, and I know why, <laughs> because whatever your medium is that like you get into fantasy or, or to love, you want to convert it to a tabletop game because you just want to play in that universe so damn bad, even if it's a video game, because yeah. you get to do anything. Absolutely. I think so. it's, I think it's natural to want to try and explore the sort of expanded possibilities of whatever it is you like. I think that, it's been a conversation that's lasted 20 years because nobody reads and nobody pays attention to anything anybody's ever said. <laughs> it's a perennial frustration for me. People are like, what does this mean? I don't get this rule. No one reads I don't, I don't the get sticky. this rule. No one reads the sticky. Exactly. No one reads the sticky on any of the threads. <laughs> no one pays attention to the pin messages and Discord channels. No one reads the dev blog. No one reads the errata. People are always confused about the rules. And anything that's ever been said about any game. Now, with that little unsupportive rant out of the way, I will say I think it's good for us to continuously talk about topics like this because people might have different ideas. Television shows, media, fiction of all kinds has changed a little bit as accessibility has changed. And gaming has evolved. You know, it has been 20 years. People think about gaming differently. So the means by that people would use to adapt interesting fiction into this context that we enjoy so much, people might they might think about it differently. It's not like um, it's not like we've been playing RPGs for 150 years and people have basically come up with all the the main conventional ways that you can use to adapt your favorite fiction. It's you're telling stories, right? And people have been telling stories for millennia. So it just so happens that we started using dice relatively recently. So how do you use dice to represent, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy? We can give you an answer for that. But Grey's Anatomy didn't exist 20 years ago. So people are probably going to think about that a little differently. Yeah. I think, yes, that's 100%. And it, and it keeps changing because um, I keep seeing new ways to tackle it, like just in new systems coming out. Um, and, and then there's always that, like, bad video game vibe. Like, the same time that they had the, like, really good superhero movie, pretty bad video game, there was probably an RPG that went with it that was also probably not stellar. So, <laughs> it's, uh, that one, I think, in both ways, where it's just, how do you convert anything from from one medium to another but try to keep the same story and the problem is is you have to account for how that medium tells stories and the kinds of stories you can tell in that medium yeah that makes sense to me i think you know one of the cool things about adaptation is it can allow people to play in games that they or sorry it can allow people to participate in gaming when they might be reluctant otherwise. Because everyone needs an initial draw, right? Everyone has some reason why you first start playing role-playing games. Like you have a friend who plays and they're like, hey, join, right? You see something, see somebody you like playing and you're like, oh, I wonder what they're up to. You learn about some RPG, some adaptation of something you read, uh, a comic book, a graphic novel, uh, a, a TV show, a movie that you like that's been adapted for pen and paper. And you decide to pick it up. And then you branch off into other things. 
So it's good for this conversation to occur repeatedly because it can remind people that gaming is an opportunity to explore your favorite fiction. And then, you know, that that increases the total number of people who are participating in this hobby we enjoy so much. And they might eventually become creatives that provide yeah. us with the games we really I, love. Yes. Second that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I got uh, kind of a like fun question of um, you get to wave a magic wand and uh, all of the RPG companies in the world collaborate to create the greatest role-playing game ever in the IP of your yeah. choice. It what doesn't it? exist. Like there's no, there's no way. No, of course, of course. That's why I said wave a magic wand. I think even with the magic wand, even the genie's gonna be like, mm, "This is this is the best I got." <laughs> there are four rules. Yes. <laughs> so so, just we can even we can even take it a step away and just say, uh, "You get to wave a magic wand." And the intellectual property of your choice agrees to let someone make a role-playing game out of it. Start with setting. You want to start with setting and then start about system. No, no, no. I, I want this to be completely system uh, irrelevant. Like, the system is going to be made bespoke to the setting. What setting is it that you would love to see a role-playing game of? Oh, really? Not like a... Of a standing intellectual property. That are placing in? Okay. Hmm. All right. I don't know if that's easier for me to answer, but fair enough. I'll say this. Uh, you know, I've I've talked with people about this many times, including uh, my friend Chris, who Corn, you know quite well. Mm -hmm. A a system for Malazan Book of the Fallen. Mm -hmm would be excellent. I mean, well, the thing is, I don't want to sound like a noob here. I recognize that Steven Erickson and Ian Cameron Esselmont, that Malazan, the Malazan Book of the Fallen and all the other books associated with the Malazan universe came out of their GURPS game that they created in the 80s. So I'm quite aware of the fact that this came out of gaming. So if we wanted a, a perfect game, a perfect system, a perfect you know system used to design a Malazan game, it'd probably be based on GURPS. With that said, I think it would be very cool for there to be a stable, satisfying role-playing game set in the universe of the Malazan Empire. Yeah, to see to see a system bespokely made for Malazan. Yeah, would be it be really cool. Would you also think that a solo companion for groups would be good? Like, like straight up just, this is the world setting, drop it in? Or would you want something that's, that's specifically tailored and do some modifications? Oh, I see. Hmm. I'll say this. I, you know, this needs to be known. I, I am very... Is there not a GURPS Malazan? I don't think so. I haven't found one. Hmm. Maybe I'm just out of the loop. But last time I checked, no, there was no explicit GURPS Malazan. I, mean, I, I feel like if it existed, uh, searching for GURPS Malazan would just give it to you. Yeah, there's there's no... I mean, people have done it themselves, right? But there's no official game. Tasha, did your answer technically already happen? Yeah, both, both mine. They're already real. So I'm just, <laughs> that's why I'm much more curious about this. <laughs> oh, yeah? What are they? Um, so there's, <laughs> one has two <laughs> because it's a fix it to the first one. But uh, Dragon right. Age, which I think literally... Kind of, I picked up in high school and, mm. jun and junior high and pretty much not only cemented my love of D&D &D in a place where I was trying to, like, remember, like, like a little bit of burnout from D&D &D at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. But I didn't actually want to give up, like, any of the, uh, yeah, the fantasy element of it. Um, so then I'm like, oh, here's, you know, Dragon Age. And I was like, okay, yep, just more of that. But, you know, then I don't have to find friends because I was bad at that. And... <laughs> And um, then they made that an RPG, and it's actually a decent RPG. Like, I have problems with it, ah, but they could be easily fixed, so I could definitely just, like, hand-wave a few things and fix it. Um, actually, one of the best 
uh, modules I've ever read was in the back of the uh, that book. Their their starter module for their playtest was phenomenal. I had mm. so much fun with that. Uh, they did such a good job of, yeah, uh, saying, and when your characters do, oh, sorry, when your players decide to do something random, <laughs> here's some ways they handle it. Mm. Um, which, as a starting DM, is amazing. <laughs> Uh, but the other one is obviously Harry Dresden, and they did a fake oh, version yeah. of that, which is, eh. And then they made Monster of the Week, which was, yeah, this was really made for Dresden all along. So <laughs> they literally have two of the main characters as example characters for Monster of the Week. Yeah. Monster of the Week went out of its way to... Whenever something, when, whenever a Monster of the Week show got popular, they would throw in that character class. Mm. So, yeah. They're all about converting. Uh, but yeah, so what, what were you going to say about Fate? Saying I've played in a Dresden Files Fate game, and Corin was a part of that too. I am a huge fan of Fate, and in particular a fan of the Dresden Files game based on Fate. I know that some people don't like Fate. Some people aren't impressed by it. The things I love about gaming are abstraction of things that don't need to be discussed very much, such as I love range bands. I, even though D&D 4th Edition, as I've said many times, and I'll say, till the day I die is an excellent system <laughs> uh, and is very focused on tactical movement, I can do without it. I'm okay with range bands. I don't need there to be very specific... Uh, simulation of tactical movement. That's not necessary for my enjoyment, right? I'm happy to play theater to mind with most games where when we deal with combat, the engagement, once we start, the, the point between which, or sorry, the um, what leads up to us actually rolling dice and contacting each other, I'm okay with that being abstracted more. And so in Fate with range bands, it's great. I like in Fate, I like aspects. I like the fact that you can have slight narrative control that can have mechanical consequences. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm a huge fan of enabling players to alter things in the story in, in an immediate sense that will lead to them being more mechanically effective because the thing that bothers me the most about some games is the disconnect between mechanical success and what a player imagines. And I empathize because I usually don't experience that. I usually am able to based on the rules provided to me and my understanding of the system, I'm usually able to design a character that functions as well as I want them to function in the setting. However, I experience a lot of playing with other people who don't get that, don't have that experience, and get frustrated, and I don't like that. And Fate really allows you to mitigate for a difference in how you've built your character by changing the circumstances immediately with your influence on the narrative in a way that one will make things more entertaining for everybody and make you more mechanically successful. I I feel like I've never been in a good game of Fate because I've played a lot of one-shots and stuff, so that's part of where my like hesitation from it comes from and I've actually most of my experience of Fate is specifically Dresden Fate. Um and because Dresden Files is so combat heavy and Fate doesn't feel intrinsically combat heavy not that you can't do combat or that as corn has talked about to, with me before that people just don't get it which is fair um which is probably true but because of that uh it it makes the immediate resolution that you you think in your head uh, harder to achieve and that's partially a player fault you know you don't always need to punch things which is fine um and i totally support that i love i love having rp moments i want to have de-escalation and just talking through things and everything like that but i also don't want to like okay but if i do want to punch a thing i don't want to spend 30 minutes trying to figure out how to punch a thing <laughs> i think you would I, think... I guess and that's where my issue with it has came from mm. You know, I think if you had had a soft introduction via Fate Accelerated, it might have made it a little easier. Because I think that Fate is, 
one of the easiest systems in which you can just punch a thing. Mm. I, I think that, like, I... fate's um, sort of thing that makes people confused is that it builds itself as a rules-light system, and it is not super rules-heavy by any means, um, but it has rules. And um, so people realize that and become confused. And similarly, uh, when they get into a combat situation, the intended play of combat in Fate is not an exchange of blows. Uh, that might be what narratively happens, but that's not really like Fate's intended way to win a fight. Um, it's about, uh, much like in Exalted, to jockey for position so that you can uh, put yourself in a place of advantage and exploit those advantages. Um, so I, I think that people coming to that for the first time... Uh, become confused by it. And often when we're confused, uh, when trying to have fun, uh, it puts us off and we're like, well, I'd rather go have fun with the thing I already understand. And I have heard really good things about Fate Accelerated. Um, honestly, my dad and sister have both ran convention games for with Fate Accelerated. So I know it's possible and doable and you can have lots of fun do doing it. I just... I've tripped over enough stumbling blocks that it, it makes me hesitant to want to, to pick it up. And I, I felt always so hamstringed uh, by trying to be like a spellcaster that uh, it, it didn't click. And then, and I have to be honest, I did the flip thing. Someone made this huge, like multi convention, like multi-year adventure where they just ran one shots in the Dresden universe um that connected uh but they did it all in champions and i loved the hell out of that <laughs> and and champions is by no means the easiest thing to learn so yeah i just happened to know champions because my dad really likes champions so i grew up you know partially already knowing how this system works and i didn't have that confusion barrier that makes sense to me I often try and be conscious of the fact that I never experience uh, frustration with systems based on the nature of the rules. I experience frustration based on something's been written poorly or perhaps a mechanical consequence that I think is to the disadvantage of the story and to players who might not understand it well. So, you know, I, I played extremely abstracted systems and uh, extremely granular systems. I'm a huge fan of Fate and, or sorry, Hero and GURPS. I love it. It's a good time. Uh, the nuances, the very specific things you need to know in order to create effective characters do not escape me. I also really enjoy playing games, as I mentioned, that are primarily narrative, uh, where the amount of dice you roll is limited and the number of rules is also limited. I'll say that I don't think that systems limit your ability to play in a setting, so I'm glad that you were able to find a context to enjoy the Dresden file so much, considering how much you like it. It's definitely one of those things like I keep wanting to go back to. I keep looking at Fate going, I want you to be good. I want to like you. Really? Well, maybe we need to play. Because I, I have quite a Yeah, experience. because I do like... Let's get a let's get Rob to run a online game. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it, and that will be the return of Dino Pinapocalos. Oh man, I don't know if we should subject Tasha to having to deal with our character dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mister Dandy. You're back. You're going to help me. Of course. You're going to help me. I know you will. Hey. Uh... Uh, what's that over there? It, uh, is a, is a very big tree. All right, I'm gone. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> hey, Dandy, where you go? Hey, Dandy escape. I'll find him again. He's okay. He's very, he's very elusive. He's very much like a fawn, you know? He's like a little deer. He runs away, and then I, like Hercules, will go find him in the forest, and I will pet his flanks, 
and I will make sure he calms down and I will carry him back and then we will have some coffee and marry some gyros. Uh, it will be a very good time. <laughs> um, so bring it back to a question I asked uh, 15 minutes ago. Uh, with what IP would I create a role-playing yeah. game in? Bringing with it back. Magic wand. Bringing it back. Uh, and I think it would be One Piece. Um, partially because I love One Piece. It's, uh, it's a fantastic anime. Um, even though it's 20 years long. Um, it's literally been on the air for 20 years at this point. Uh, but uh, part of the reason it's been on that long is because people love it. It's really awesome. Um, but partially so I could stop having people ask what system to run One Piece in. Uh, that would just cut off about, uh, you know, post a week off of the, off of the forums. Yeah, that makes sense. I can say with absolute certainty, you can do it in Pathfinder 2 because we are. You're playing One Piece in not, Pathfinder 2? Not in, kind of. We didn't do it intentionally, but yes, we accidentally made One Ooh. Piece what like, what part of One Piece are we talking about? I'm very curious. More more about like the crew dynamic and and going around sailing and then having superpowers. Oh, sure. Um, that that in a world where most people don't have powers, um, just the we're we're playing in this universe that's supposed to be magic, like light magic only all of the crew is super magical because we're supposed to be in this era where magic is just part starting to come back to the sure. world. So all of us are super magical. We're on a boat and we're pirates. And, um, and then we have like this fairly interesting dynamic of the party that has, at least when we started, it was very one piece feel to the party. It has changed since then, but, um, just because of how the characters interacted with each other and the crazy shit you like can do. Like you're all do. the bestest of best friends? Yeah, like, like originally it it was like early One Piece where everyone's trying to still get to know each other and, and become the bestest <laughs> of best friends. And uh, it it was so good. And like, I, we're almost, we would have done that if one of the characters like didn't die. Um, or now two, two of the characters mm. died. And it's, thrown off the party dynamic a little uh unfortunately but we solidly could we were we were on a really hard one piece trail and we, we started like straight up just calling so when's our one piece game <laughs> i'll say like weirdly if um all of one piece were to be boiled down to a very simplistic uh explanation um a story of one very stubborn extrovert telling a bunch of angsty introverts uh, to get over themselves and uh, be happy uh, technically describes the like relationship dynamics in that show. You're going to be my friend. I can't be your friend. I have all this dark crap in my past. Now you're going to be my friend. Stop. Just get over it. You're, you're friends with me now. It's cool. I... It's a oh man, I feel like there's anime. definitely a way. <laughs> no, it's not Sundere. It's very, it's very, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to say no. <laughs> we are friends now. Isn't it? It's just the, I... the, the hostile, then switching to being pleasant. They're not, well, that's the thing. Like, other than like, uh, being like, what the fuck are you doing at the beginning? Uh, they're not hostile to him uh, at anything. So there's no, there's no hot cold with it it's just like literally oh, almost okay. every time he meets a new crew member it's like uh uh he realizes that he wants them to be his crew member and he's like you're gonna be my cook and they're like uh yeah, that's cool dude i'm i got i got stuff going on in my life and then he and then luffy punches something and now they're all friends ah <laughs> uh, okay i misunderstood so a lot I, of stories I just revealed my ignorance in, of one piece uh, I, uh, I, I would be happy to give you a rundown sometime. Uh, I, I only shows like, weird one season. Weirdly good. Um, like it's, it, I say weirdly good just because like 
on on the surface level, it's just okay. This is a fantastic setting, and it's got the shonen thing of like the main character just keeps getting more and more powerful and stuff like that. But there's a heart in that show that not all the other shonens have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, that's pretty. Wonderful. Yeah, I've never that... cried at any other shonen show, <laughs> and I have I have unironically oh. cried at at. Uh, uh, one piece maybe two or three times yeah i can see that one piece is intense like emotionally because it's all just like friendship yeah no i mean like that's a big thing is like they refer to all their crewmates as friends and uh, it's like something that doesn't get translated into english when they translate it for some reason um because i i think whoever's in charge of translating it like has missed the entire point of the show but uh, I I just don't bother with the translations. Cool beans. The biggest. Yeah. Well, uh, it is getting on in time, so we'll wrap up here. As always, games are fun, so go play some. Hey, everyone. This is Corin Mana, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening until the end of the show. We're doing a lot to try and improve the audio quality of the podcast. Uh, I think we did do some things that significantly improved it, but I think we've still got a ways to go. So I hope you'll bear with us while we're still working things out. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and feel free to tell people about the show if you like it. Have a nice day.